very privileged uh, to have another missionary with us. I was thinking, talking with the elders this last week, I, I think we're moving away from mission month to mission year. Um, and we are having our missionaries, by just the grace of God, bringing our missionaries to us so we can spend time with them, intimate time with them uh, throughout the year. And uh, we are particularly grateful. If you notice, a lot of our missionaries train, train, train men, and they preach well. And, uh, and that's a great blessing. Uh, the same is true with Nilo, of course. If you were here last hour, you heard us rehearse through uh, the great blessing that God has done with Sola Gratia Ministries in, uh, in the Philippines, particularly on the lower island in Mindanao. Uh, and we praise the Lord and we boast in Him for what He has done. But Nilo and I met a long time ago. I think we met at a Grace, school, Grace Theology School function and then we became classmates in seminary together, and Pastor Brian taught us Greek and Hebrew and beat us up together. So we weeped together, huh? And, and I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's supposed to know English. Uh, you were coming from Tagala and trying to learn Greek and Hebrew, so I was always amazed at you, Nilo. Uh, we served together in many capacities. Um, I think every church uh, I've ever pastored or planted, Nilo has come and preached uh, and been involved with us, and, and then I've got the pleasure to go and preach there many times and look forward to going soon. But uh, this is a man dedicated to the glory of Christ through the proclamation of the word. I want you to hear that again. He's dedicated to the glory of Christ through the proclamation of the word. Such an important phrase. And this is what we are about. We are about Christ and his word. Not about Riverbend or uh, any corporations or ministries. We're about him. And Nilo has taught us, as we've watched his ministry through the years, that it is not about a person or a name. It is about our Savior. And teaching people to love him through his word. And there in probably some of the most remotest places I've ever been, I've watched this come true time and time again. So it is with great joy, uh, we, Riverbend, Ask you to come to our pulpit and preach us the word of God, Nilo. Please give him a hand. Good morning. One of the blessings I have when I come to your church is that uh, the pulpit is an exact height <laughs> for me. <laughs> I went to a church in California that the pulpit is a little bit higher. So, so I am a Filipino, and that's why. <laughs> um, I'm really grateful to the Lord that uh, wherever... Pastor Scott uh, serves. He always invites me to go visit and uh, share the pulpit with me. But uh, it's actually intimidating because we have to use English. And uh, from Cebuano to Tagalog and then Tagalog to English, um, it, it's, it's a hard thing. But uh, God is gracious. In heaven, we will be speaking only one language. And uh, we will be uh, with the Lord for all eternity, worshiping Him 
in just, just as uh, we are doing this morning. Let me read to you again these two verses from John chapter 6, and then join me in prayer. John 6, verses 26 to 27. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on Him the Father God has set His seal. Let's pray. Most gracious and loving God, I know that in our hearts of hearts, we long to hear you. We long to listen to what you are going to tell us, Lord. And you are doing that every time we listen to a sermon, every time we read the Bible, every time someone teaches your word, Lord, I believe you are speaking through your word to your people. And just as in the beginning of time, you just open your mouth, speak the word, and things that are not begin to exist. That is how powerful your word is, Lord, until this very moment to speak to us and bring about the things that are not to begin to exist in our hearts as we yield to you in obedience to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The context of these two verses, if you look at the beginning of John chapter 6, you'll find that Jesus actually was able to feed 5,000 men, and that did not include, include the women and the children in their counting, out of just few loaves of bread and fish. The people were so excited with what they have experienced with the Lord Jesus in the wilderness. They are being fed just from a handful of this bread and fish. And in fact, they have seen that there were 12 baskets full with fragments from the five barley loaves. So, in verse 15, it says here that Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdraw again to the mountain by himself alone. But the people pursued him 
They followed him wherever he went. So the rebuke in verse 26. Jesus told them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs. Now take note of that word signs. But because you ate the loaves and were filled. Now talking about people who will flock into churches that teaches prosperity theology. They wanted to have what they can get out of their so-called following of God. So, the heart of man has never changed. It's from the beginning until now, it's still the same. How can they miss this? When they are taught in, the, in their Bible, in their scriptures, the promise of the coming Messiah, that when He comes, you will know that He is already there because there will be things that will happen. You go, Isaiah 35, and it says here, let me begin reading from verse 1, so that we can see the context. The wilderness and the desert will be glad, and the Araba will rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It will blossom profusely and rejoice with rejoicing and shout of joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord. They will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Encourage the exhausted and strengthen the feeble. Say to those with anxious heart, take courage. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Hey, look at now verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. And the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will shout for joy. For waters will break forth in the wilderness and stream, streams in the Arabah. There will be many other verses that will tell you that when Messiah comes, He will be doing things never heard of before. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. And yet, Israel, the Jews have seen the bread. They have never seen God that is in front of them. The Lord told them, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. In Matthew chapter 
11. Even the most spiritual man during that time, John the Baptist, struggled also. He wanted to be sure about who this Jesus is. That he told his disciples, go, go. Why don't you go and ask him the question, are you the expected one or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive the sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and all and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Jesus fed 5,000 men, excluding women and children. Every eyes were watching him when he prayed to God and started to give the bread. And every time he will take In the basket, probably, there is always something. There is always a loaf of bread that comes out. And they all were fed. But Jesus told them, You did not follow me because you have seen the signs. You but because you ate of the loaves. I think we have to ask ourselves too, why am I at church today? Why I'm here? Maybe for a wrong reason? Do not work for food which perishes. Jesus told them, do not work for food which perishes. Because of what they were doing, what Jesus had done before them should have pointed them to realize that this man who feed them from the few loaves of bread is actually the Messiah whom they are longing to come. But they failed. Work for food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. It is another way, actually, of saying, seek me for what or who I am. Not because of the food I have given you. Seek me for who I am. And and what I'm doing is a witness of that. You should have known who really I am. The Son of Man, whom the Father has given the power to dispense eternal life. Which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God has set his seal. The people took the first praise of what Jesus said, 
loud and clear. The praise that says, work for food that endures to eternal life. That is the work of God. They thought they must be able to do. They left out the rest of the sentence. So their question now, what shall we do? They wanted to have the confirmation from the very lips of the Lord Jesus what they need to do. But I think they have in their minds already what they really need to do. But they just wanted to uh, have Jesus confirm it. It's like someone going to the, a, a, a counselor but has already made up his mind about the issue. He just wanted to be affirmed by what he thinks is right. What shall we do? That we may work the works of God. Now they wanted to know from Jesus what they need to do and be doing to earn eternal life. But think about this. The question that they raised, what shall we do that, may we, that we may work the works of God? Actually, this is an unnecessary question. They have the law of Moses with them. They have the law of Moses. The oracles of God were given to them. Not only that, they have made a wrong question. If you are going to be critical with what they raised, they said, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? How can you do the works of God? It is a wrong question. It is a man-centered question. What shall we do that we may work the work of God? Human effort? How can... How can the flesh produce the work of the Spirit? Anyway, that is all they wanted to know. And I thought, didn't the young rich man who approached Jesus also have the same, the same goal? What must I do? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom? Jesus answered back the question. You cannot see it in the text, but I can sense that they were shocked of the answer of the Lord because the answer says this, This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. The reason why I said they were shocked is you can sense that with what they responded to the Lord. Look, go back to the text. So they said to him, 
Jesus answered them in verse 29, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. So they said to Him, What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. The same thing. Just plain reading of the text, we might fall into the same, the same understanding. We might arrive immediately to this thinking that Jesus' answer simply told them that to work for the food that endures to eternal life, which they understood to be the work of God, is simply to believe in Him. That is sent by the Father. However, notice their immediate reaction. What then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers eat the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread to eat. Now think about this. When Jesus said, this is the work of God. I don't think it was a compli complicated answer. This is the work of God. Rather than tell them, this is the work of God. Believe, that's the work of God. But Jesus was telling them, even your believing is the work of God. That they can only believe if God is working in them and enable them to believe. So they look at him and said, Who do you make yourself to be? Are you greater than Moses that we will believe you? Who do you make yourself to be? Look, Jesus told them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. Again, just by looking at their answer or their question, are you greater than Moses? He is the one who gave us the manna from heaven. Still, they have not arrived into this thinking that Moses actually has not given them the manna. But why the manna is the main focus? Didn't they remember that Moses had given them the laws of God? That later on, Paul will say, the law is our tutor that leads us to Christ. The Lord was rebuking them. 
Why do you fail to see the signs that points to him? The awaited, sent out one, sent one, the Messiah. Why they kept on ignoring him? That unless God himself work in them, they will not believe. There are four things I would like to highlight in the following verses that will show us that this is really God's work. Salvation is of the Lord. Because this is the flow of the conversation Jesus had with His people. Let me highlight four things. One, this is the work of God, Jesus said, that you believe in Him whom He has sent. And the very first thing that Jesus expounded to them even using the bread that is supposed to be given to them by Moses, Jesus told them that the work of God, first of all, so that they believe, is that the Father gives them the true bread out of heaven. The second thing that the Father has done so that they should, they should have seen who Christ is, is that the Father has given every believer, those who will believe in Christ, as a gift. The Father, on the third time, not only has given people to His Son, but that the Father draws them to Christ. And lastly, assure them that they will, they will, they are secured eternally in Him. So we will look at this one, one by one. The Father gives the true bread out of heaven. Look at verse 32. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. You see, Jesus said, for the bread of God is that which comes down. He did not say, for the bread of God is that which falls down. Comes down out of heaven. And not only that, but gives life not only to the world, uh, not only to the Israelites, but gives life to the world. And that bread is no other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Verses in this chapter 
where Jesus is claiming who he is. You can read, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger, and he who has believed in me shall never thirst. Now place yourself together with the people that is listening to him. And you hear this. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall not hunger. And he who, be, who has believed in me shall never thirst. I am the bread of life. Your father eat the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that come down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he shall live forever. I will not be surprised if ever we are part of that crowd that we will be in agreement with all of them and will say, this guy is mad. He is the greatest liar and imposter of all. Read down chapter 6. Many of his disciples departed never to walk with him again. They said, it is a hard saying. Can you imagine you eat my flesh, you drink my blood? It's hard. It's hard. That's why no one can believe unless God works in him. We are missing it if we are caught up only with temporary things, even things derived from serving the Lord. If we have not savored with satisfaction having Christ in our lives and Him alone is already more than enough. I am, I am the bread of life. But still the people did not understand. I'm thinking, well, okay, Jesus, you have fed 5,000. Our Moses have fed, as scholars, Bible scholars said, maybe close to 2 million people. You have 5,000, maybe including the women and the children. 15, 20,000. Moses, 2 million. You are no match to Moses. You have feed the people just one meal. Our Moses feed the people 40 years. Who are you? Jesus told them, I am the bread that comes down out of So hard to believe that. You go back again to the statement of the Lord. This is the work of God. Because man will not be able to understand it by his own. That's why salvation is by grace alone.
There is nothing wrong to have eyes, to have our eyes see things and wants to, to take them to be ours. But it is only temporary. Having Christ. It's not temporary. But it will be eternal. Habakkuk said, even though you take everything from me, but I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. What shall it profit a man to gain the whole world? The second thing, look at verse 37. This is the work of God. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Let this be imprinted in our hearts and mind. All that the Father gives me. It is not an overstatement to say that every true believer is the Father's gift to the Son. Every true believer is God the Father's gift to the Son. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. All that the Father gives me. Verse 37. And then verse 39. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. John chapter 17. John chapter 17, verse 2. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. You look at verse 6. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. So there is a group of men, a group of people that the Father has given to the Son. To the men whom you have given me. Verse 9. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. But of those whom you have given me. 
And all things that are mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. Isn't that something? This is the work of God. He gives you to His Son. And Jesus, when He came into this world, He did not just came for all or everyone. The angel who announced to Joseph about his wife, Mary, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people. He will save his people from their sin. The sad thing, Jesus told them, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. Thinking about this, I actually have struggled. The most privileged and the most opportune time for someone to believe Christ is when he physically was in front of them. But that will also tell us how thick, how dark, how impregnable the depravity of man is that only God can break. And he did. He did. That's why you and me are here this morning. Don't you ever think that it was you who made the decision to receive him. That you voted for God. No, he voted for you. He gave us to his son. And when the son came, he already knew who they are. When my son was interviewed here, Wednesday night, he mentioned about the lost ship. Don't you ever forget. He went on searching the lost ship because he already owns the ship. There is prior ownership to that ship. You just don't go out and try to search for a lost ship that is not yours. No. You... Just do not go out and pick up any, any sheep or cow or anything that is not yours. He already owns it. He already owns it. So they are the most privileged in the very opportune time to believe. But you see, as a missionary for many years, I'm thinking, if they have not believed Jesus 
was present in front of them. How shall they believe an ordinary man like me telling them about Christ? Every time Pastor Scott will stand up here in the pulpit, Pastor Bobby, Josh, and all your other pastors, many of you are more qualified than them. Maybe some of you commands the hearing and obedience of the people under you in your office, in your businesses. Maybe you are well educated than they are, and many times good looking than they are. <laughs> but why you continue to listen to them? Why? It's not because of the loudness of their voice. It's not because of their, their gestures or their persuasiveness. No, God is working in your heart. And He's causing us to believe. He gave us to His Son as a gift. Every true Christian is the Father's gift to His Son, and they are the reason He came and died on the cross. I have that always in my heart, and I preach to myself this truth, because it's so easy to be intimidated that will result to spiritual paralysis that you resign. Oh, these people hey, are so hard-hearted. I cannot do anything so that I can bring them to Christ. Of course you cannot do anything. Salvation is of the Lord. Yours is only to obey. Ours is only to bring across the message. It's God who saves, not us. Look, He not only has given to the Son who these people are, but the Father just didn't, didn't sit down and watch them come to Christ. No, the Bible says, Jesus himself said this, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me grows him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by, of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. There is the temptation to put pastors, Pastor Scott as a little idol, the cult, to be worshipped. And you can see that. They worship the pastor. But we are unworthy servants. I'm always telling our students in the seminary and the mobile school. We do not work for God. We work with God. 
What a privilege that we are called by God to participate in His work. That He enlisted us and used us so that His purpose is accomplished. No one can come to me unless there is this word, unless, that implies absolute necessity. Unless the Father who sent me draws him. Didn't you realize you've been running away from God? We always give excuse why we cannot attend Bible studies. Why we do not listen to these weird people that are bringing shiny Bibles on the sides. Weird people. John 3.19 says, And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, but men love the darkness. And they will not come to the light because their deeds are evil. The question will be, will there be anyone that, we, that is willing to come? That's why there is work of missions. But the work of missions no one can own. It is the work of God. This is the work of God. Sola gracia in any way cannot say, this is our work. No, we bend our knee to the one Lord and God who owns the work. I am convinced of this very thing, the Apostle Paul said, that he who began a good work in you, he did not say that we who began a good work. No, that he who began a good work in you is faithful. And he will complete what he has started in your life. We have to step aside. It's not about personalities. It's about Christ. It's about him and no other. The sad thing, many people come to church. They are practicing religion, but not living like Christ. Many feels the pews in the church, but they are pagan. And save. And you might throw stones at me. But the Bible says, by their fruits, you shall know them. Is Christ magnified in your life? And just by speaking that 
question. I wanted to hide because I can see how, how corrupt and defiled I am. But the grace of God says that there is now a different price tag in my life. Not because I have arrived, no, but because Christ has done it for me. We might, we might be thinking that it was our decision to receive Christ as Lord and Savior that brings us salvation. The reason why I raise that, because it is not just a simple thing. When someone will say that the decision to be saved is left to man to decide. It is actually blasphemy to say that ultimately man decides whether he will be saved or not is actually saying that Jesus has saved and cannot save anyone. That the ultimate Savior is not Christ, but man himself. That Jesus needed some help. In fact, not really a help. He is just a crutch. But my Savior and your Savior, He truly saves. He truly saves you. He truly saves me. What is overwhelming to me is to understand that even before heaven and earth was created by God, even before he created Adam and Eve, he already knew that he will fall into sin. He already knew there was nothing yet. And yet God already has set his love for me and you. I even reached a point of, of realizing that salvation in Christ alone is not a plan B. Because God failed to prevent Adam and Eve. There's a plan B. No, there's only one plan. The redemption work of Christ is not an addendum to the mighty deed of God in creating the whole universe. The whole universe was created in support to the plan of redemption decided by God even before anything started to be. Lastly, it is the work of God that we will endure to the end. Look, the Lord Jesus said, This is the will of Him who sent me, 
that of all that He has given me, I lose nothing but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. Christian, we might have fallen so miserably time and time and again. But didn't you realize, why are you still here today? Why are you still here? Why I'm still here? It's not because we've been able to struggle and stand up by our own strength? No. We are His workmanship. Jude simply told the people whom He has written to. Jude chapter 10 verse 24. I do not know how to. Jude chapter 10, verse 24. <laughs> I, I thought you, you, you get it. but <laughs> Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling... And to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. The, the tragedy of the many pulpits is to change the word of the Bible. Because many pastors will be preaching verse 24. Now to him who is able to help you. No, it's not the word help. It says here, to him who is able to keep you, not help you. More than our human effort, God is at work. He's able to keep you. Same word. That God uses. To enable Christians to stand up. Those shaken. Terrible. He's able to keep you from stumbling and to make you, not help you, to make you stand in the presence of His glory, blameless with great joy. Paul simply said this, in Romans 14, verse 4, Who are you to judge the servant of another? 
to his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand. For the Lord is able to make him stand. The Lord is able. Christian, don't you ever think that you are strong today. You will remain strong every day. That's why we need to be totally dependent on the power and strength of God. Moment by moment. Those who think that they are standing, take heed, lest they fall. But what an assurance that the Father decreed that through His Son, everyone that He has given His Son, the Son will not only save them, but will keep them and raise us up not by sending another one to do it, but he uses the word, I myself will raise him up on the last day. Now this is my joy, serving the Lord. It's so easy to be intimidated you watch what is going on amongst the millions, not only in the Philippines, but in the United States, throughout the world, how they profane the name of the Lord. How they reject the reality, even the existence of God. How they the put their feet on the precious blood of Christ, it will paralyze you. When you fix your eyes on the hardness and the callousness and the darkness that envelops the hearts of men everywhere. But it did not intimidate Christ knowing that it will only be few hours that he will die. Why? Because he is able to bring himself to life again. I look at the hardness of the people's heart in our country and cry unto the Lord, but I'm comforted all the time. I preach this to myself. This is the work of God, not yours. That they may believe on Him. That's why a while ago I said, with so short a time, given a short, a ta short time, I want to die. Tired. The result is in the hands of the Lord. I just wanted to be found faithful. And we must desire, Lord, that I be found faithful. 
to the very last breath. After all, we do not belong here. We are just passing through. Make the most. Make the most. To exalt, glorify, and proclaim, placard the name of the only true God and Savior, Christ Jesus our Lord. So, Father, thank you for your word. Should there be anyone in the congregation, Father, that is experiencing like a man about to die, Lazarus was so dead, but you called upon him, Lazarus, come out. And this man come out. Alive. Would you encourage your children? Give strength to the weak. Give peace to the troubled. Give joy to its fullness, those who are sad. Comfort those who are discomforted. Even those who are dead, Lord, this morning. Call them to life. Save. Oh, Lord Jesus, save. Save, Lord. For you came. You came that we may have life. And I just pray that we continue to proclaim him of whom eternal life is spread abroad. Would you use weak people as we are to placard your name as you search out and save whom you have ordained to be saved. In Jesus' name we pray.